Hey there, my name is Cara McClintock and I am the host of the Building a Better Body podcast. I am a certified health coach, a podcaster and the platform for others to share their story. My aim is to get as many experts on the show as possible, be that experts in health, experts in fitness, experts in mind, body and soul, all the good things that make up that better body. I hope you enjoy the show. Hello everybody, it's Thursday which means time for another Building a Better Body podcast. I got a new pop filter so I just want to say porky pepper picked up, yeah whatever that phrase is, <laughs> just to see if my peas come out better than normal. It's just basically, if you don't know what a pop filter is, a piece of tights over my microphone <laughs> so that it kind of stops the noises. So yeah, that's my news, exciting. Oh, also, how do you like my new badass intro music <laughs> compiled through the loops in Logic Pro? Such fun. I probably should have waited until the new season, but I couldn't wait to put that together because it's, it's just a nice change and a change is as good as the rest, as they say. Today, I have another guest for you. I am talking to Trisha Barker, who created the Imposter Syndrome Solution. Now, I'll let Trisha explain all about Imposter Syndrome. If you have never heard of it, you will soon understand all about it. We had a really good chat today. She's very genuine, really out there to help people to draw out the potential, mainly in women, but she has dealt with some men as well. But it's a really interesting topic and I was really excited to talk about this today. So without further ado, let's go. So today on the show, I'm chatting to Trisha Barker, who has created the Imposter Syndrome Solution. She works with heart-centered women who have created success in their lives, yet feel like they aren't a success themselves. They want more, but are standing in their own way. Trisha helps women embark on a journey of self-discovery, building awareness, dissolving self-doubt, supporting lasting self-belief, and creating a life they love and deserve. So I would like to welcome Trisha on the show. Thank you so much for coming on, Trisha. How are you today? I'm good, thank you, Karen. Thanks for having me today. You're very welcome. So that was literally stolen from your website. That was... <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking that sounds really good. Where did you get that from? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you nailed it. You got it. Absolutely perfect. Uh, so let's let's start with the basics. Imposter syndrome. Can you yes. explain exactly what it is? Because I think maybe not a lot of people have heard of those words, but they've probably experienced it to some some degree. So if you would explain, that would be awesome for us. Yeah, definitely. And I think you, you've hit the nail on the head, Karen. Nobody wakes up in the morning and thinks, oh my God, I feel like I'm an imposter. Mm-hmm. We don't get that. It's much more subtle than that. And it's the way that it probably shows up in our life that actually lets us know that we may be suffering with this in some way but really what I label it down is it's really something that you call like chronic self-doubt you know we all have self-doubt we all have that inner critic that wants to keep us safe and wants to keep us in our comfort zone but I would say that's natural every human being has that we all have that built into us but it's when it's out of control and actually it it turns into chronic self-doubt Um, It's being unable to internalize the external achievements that you're having. So you may be having great success, you may be climbing the ladder, you may be building your business, but actually you're not internalizing that. You can't see what other people can see. So what I find a lot with people with imposter syndrome, you know, they are really, you know, having a great life, doing well at work. Everybody else can see it. They just can't see it themselves. And they put a lot of their success down to look or timing. So they're not 
actually owning their own success. They always think it's something external that is allowing them to create that success. Mm -hmm. So I really put it down to having a lack. It's not about having no confidence because people with imposter syndrome can be confident people, Mm -hmm. but it's a lack of confidence in yourself and your own abilities. Mm -hmm. Perfectly put. Yeah, and it's just this this impending doom um, of maybe waiting for someone to find you out that you're not as good as they all think you are. Yeah. So that's really sort of, in a nutshell, what imposter syndrome is. Yeah, like you say, you know, it's our brain wants to keep us safe. We like absolutely. Com- we like comfort, but I, on a lot of previous podcasts, I always say we need to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Um, yeah. Because all the good stuffs on the other side, but it's very yeah. easier said than done. But yeah. it's kind of maybe taking small steps, doing something that's slightly different to what you usually do, is is going to build confidence over time. Definitely, and like I said, you know, it doesn't. It's not like you wake up and think, "Oh my god." I'm an imposter you know it's when opportunities come up that the self-doubt starts to kick in and actually it stops you so it 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 holds you back it makes you hide or it keeps you small Mm -hmm. yeah would you know would you say it's it's something that has started in childhood you know could it be something that's not necessarily your fault and you've just got these negative beliefs that started and it becomes just a habit and it's just a knee-jerk reaction to being this way yeah I think a lot of you know if we if we actually trail back to most things we can trail it back to something that happened in our childhood Mm -hmm. um you know of not being able to actually articulate some things that are happened. So it could be through learnt behaviour, it could be through beliefs that people have given you, it could be um, someone in influence has said something to you and it's planted a seed mm-hmm. and then right throughout life you keep reinforcing it. Yeah. Um, so definitely, I'm not to say that it always comes from there, but I think most things we can link back to a time when we couldn't actually work it out ourselves in our head so we just took that as fact and therefore and then we just built upon it Mm -hmm. I was I was reading an article on the telegraph recently titled why do women feel like frauds yeah and I wanted to bring it I don't know if you read it but I wanted to bring up a line from it because it jumped right out at me there's a fine line between self-deprecation and self-destruction and I know many times I've batted away a compliment in the past and I'm thinking nothing of it but when you sort of build this into behavior it can manifest in much larger areas in your life where you know you've achieved something major but you can't celebrate it because that's your reactions to sort of go ah no big deal no big deal yeah Um, yeah perhaps it's something that as I say started whenever you were a child and you just kind of it's seen as I don't know if it's the same in in, uh, England as it is here but we're very self-deprecating to to our detriment you know you can't take on a compliment at all it's it's big-headed or if you like if you do that yeah do you know I don't know what it's like in other countries but I think definitely especially in the UK as well it's the culture actually to you know to put yourself down, to not actually shout out and say how well you're doing. And I know that sometimes the Americans can get a bit of a, um, you know, a poor review because people say, oh, you know, you know, they really big themselves up. But actually what I think, that is a really positive thing. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, we are brought up to go, if we see someone who's actually talking about themselves in a really positive way, I've seen it, I've heard it, who does she think she is? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, 
And it's actually seen as a negative rather than actually look at her. I'm really proud of her for stepping up and recognizing how amazing she is. Yes, yes. So I definitely think it's a cultural thing. And I think definitely it's one of those things that we, we really struggle. I did. So I can hear where you're coming from. I really struggled before to take a compliment. Mm. One, it made me feel uncomfortable. And two, I never believed it. And now I look at it, I switch it to say, actually, if someone offers me a compliment, whether I believe it or not, to actually bat it away is really rude. Yes, exactly. It's really rude because that person has actually invested their time and their effort mm -hmm. to tell you something and for me to say, oh, no, not, oh, I don't take that on board, actually is not really nice to that other person. Exactly, exactly. But I, but I think it, it's definitely a cultural thing and I think it's up to us individually to say, okay, well, maybe that's how I see everybody else doing it, but how can I start to act differently? Mm-hmm. And what I used to do is just say thank you. Didn't yeah. say anything more. I'd just say thank you and I'd zip my mouth and just let it settle. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you don't have to go overboard. A simple, no. thank, a simple thank you is enough and the conversation's over. Repay, yeah. repay the compliment if you want to or not, whatever. Yeah. Um, I was and talking... I don't know about you, it's really uncomfortable to start with. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> thank you. Then it... uh, uh, now what we'll talk about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it yeah. gets easier. Definitely yeah. gets easier. I was talking to Alison from Flabs to Fitness. I don't know if you've heard of that, but she's yeah. a, she's American. Um, and I was actually bringing up this exact same thing with her. Yeah. Um, she says it's not necessarily all Americans are quite, but there is that perception that they're quite positive and can no bother take a compliment. But, you know, it's not a case of, you know, somebody says your hair is nice, you don't have to be like, oh, it's fabulous, I know, aren't I beautiful and look at me and all that there. You just say thank you. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think there's a fine line between being arrogant and yes. actually just being allowed to accept that you're doing well in life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're quite right. So on your site, you explain that it's affected you in your own career. Can you tell us a little bit about that and then how it made you want to support others in their journey? Yeah, wow. So I, I can look back now and say that I had a degree of imposter syndrome throughout the whole of my career. Mm -hmm. and you know through the work I do and the work I've done myself I couldn't take it back I can take it back to my childhood yeah um but I never knew what it was and actually I didn't know until a couple of years ago actually that it had a name for all of these different feelings that I had yeah. but I went into my first you know I went to college I studied and when I went into my first job the way that it showed up was that I was playing really small I went for a job that I could easily do. Um, I walked into the job, did the interview, immediately got offered the role, and I stayed there for far longer than I should have done. Yeah. So like we talked about before, it was way in my comfort zone, and I wasn't really stretching myself. Mm. And really, the next two moves that I made in my career were very similar. I was playing it safe, going for jobs that I pretty much looked at the job description and I could do everything on it. There wasn't anything on there that made me think, oof, this is a bit of a stretch for me. Mm. Um, so that was probably the first part of my career. The imposter showed up by keeping me small, by making me play safe and going for jobs that I knew without a doubt that I would be able to do and would feel confident doing. Yes. Um, but then I went, I was working as a PA to an MD at the time and and another opportunity came up to work 
um, alongside in a different role. So it was sort of like a sidestep, really. But I started working for a gentleman who could see potential in me that I couldn't see in myself Mm. and started to push me to take on more responsibility, which I absolutely loved, you know, because in those other roles I was a little bit bored. Yeah. (laughs) You know, I... I felt safe and comfortable, but I was bored. I knew that I could do more than I was allowing myself to do. Yeah. But he he saw that potential in me, and he pushed me. He, um, I say pushed me. He was very gentle, but, you know, he used to push me into things. Yeah. He was very much a big cheerleader for me. When a role came up, go for it. I think you'd be really good at that, you know. And he was always trying to grow my role and to get extra responsibility for me. Yeah. Um. But that was uncomfortable, and that's when I really started to see that other people could see things that I couldn't see in myself. But I did, you know, I trusted in him, so I allowed him to sort of guide me into doing things that I would never have done on my own. Yeah, it's great Uh, that you had that person that could see what you couldn't see. Yeah. Very, very, very lucky, if that's the right word. And you know what? I don't put my success down to luck, but I think I've been very lucky for some of the people that I've worked with that have seen that because he was the first one to notice it. Mm -hmm. Um, So I progressed within that company and did very well. Um, And then I moved to a different company. And again, I'd actually moved to another part of the country. So I was looking for an, an entry into a company and trying to get into HR when you don't have much experience sort of feeds your imposter syndrome yes yes. because you want to work in an environment that actually you need a you need experience Mm -hmm. but no one's giving you the experience to really get your foot in the door Mm -hmm. um so I sort of took a step back to get my foot in the door which my imposter would have loved you know (laughs) take a step backwards yes you're doing exactly what I want you to do but again I went to work for someone who was just like you're in the wrong role you know you (laughs) you are way bigger than this and again started to build up this role and create something that it was much bigger than it was Mm -hmm. um and then obviously promotions came up now, I never, and I, you know, I can say this openly and honestly, I never actually went for a promotion. I was always approached for promotions. Mm-hmm. There's a job coming up. We think you'd be really good for this. And my first initial reaction was like, oh, no, I can't do that. You know, I'm not the person for that. I don't think I'm good enough for that. Yeah. But again, it was somebody who really believed in me, who could see something that I couldn't see yeah. and used to breathe belief into me when I couldn't see it myself. Brilliant. Um, now, the only thing was, yes, I used to take that belief and take it, but then I'd get in this role and think, shit, I'm in it now. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm really, the, I feel the pressure to perform. Yeah, yeah. Um, and with each promotion, actually, whilst, you know, you are celebrating the success of a promotion, you've also got this dreaded feeling of there's more to lose now. There's actually, I'm on a bigger platform, I'm more visible, I can't hide as much, and therefore, someone's going to figure out one day that I'm not as good as they all bloody think I am. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yeah. (laughs) And then I uh, moved to a different company, and very much the same in that, um, yeah, I've just had, I've had the incredible opportunity of working with amazing bosses that breathed belief into me long before I actually believed in myself. Yeah. So that, the long answer is yes, 
<laughs> that's all of it. But the short answer is it was there probably right up until the last two years of my career, which I walked away from three years ago. Mm-hmm. But the last two years, I'd done a lot of personal development work. I'd started working with a coach. I'd um, invested in lots of seminars and personal development and started to change the way that I thought about myself. Um, I started to build my belief. I started to see that actually it was all bullshit in my head. I had absolutely no external validation. You know, I'd never been pulled up for my performance. I'd never been given a bad appraisal. Mm-hmm. Um, I could just see that there was just no evidence and that last two years of work was probably my most enjoyable because I just allowed myself to be me and enjoy doing the role yeah yeah perfect and I can sort of align with that as well I've been doing tons of self-development work myself and it it's it's exciting and you don't think anybody else is doing it but a lot of people are doing it in the background because they're yeah they're kind of thinking this isn't enough and maybe my role isn't challenging me enough and I need to do more with my life and you got to do a lot of self-work to realize what it is your next steps are going to be yeah how did you get into personal development then well, that's a good question. Um, I guess because I'm, I wasn't being challenged enough, so you just sort of yeah. start listening to podcasts, and then they recommend books, and then it just evolves into this whole. I've got a vision board up now. <laughs> yeah, this is what I want to do. I've got them all over the house. Yeah, I just did a brand new one yesterday, and I was very excited by it. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I mean that's going to be, and I have a, I have an Audible account as a random fact here, and every time I get a new book, it's always on self development or. I very rarely read a a fiction book which I probably should because it lets you get creative and stuff like that but most of my books are uh, self-development related Um, yeah the last one I got there just yesterday was um, Eckhart Tolle have you heard of him yes (sighs) he's pretty deep stuff yeah yeah, really heavy is it the power of now yes just started it yeah you need to be in the right mood to to listen to that um but i imagine it being very very useful and just being about present being in the present moment yeah i read that book years ago when i was um, on the isle of arran up in scotland with no wi-fi the weather was terrible (laughs) yeah i was locked indoors so it was probably the perfect book for me to uh, be snuggled up with yeah, there's no other option. You had to read it. <laughs> yeah. But interestingly, when you talk about fiction books, for a long time, I stopped reading fiction. I was a bookworm as a child. I loved reading, always read fiction. Mm-hmm. And then I think I got a little bit addicted to personal development in that that's the only thing I can put into my brain. Yes. Um, and now, actually, I do take time to read fiction just to allow my brain to switch off because I, I don't know if you find when I'm reading a personal development book or I'm listening to a podcast or anything like that, it's stimulating my brain and therefore, mm-hmm. you know, it's not actually allowing me to just be. Whereas I think reading a fiction book, you can read 60 pages and you, I actually feel relaxed when I'm reading it. So, yeah, yeah. especially before you go to bed, if you start reading um non-fiction you're just going to yeah. be <laughs> so only the last year I've actually allowed myself to switch between the two and actually I find that I've got a really nice balance now so yeah I'll have to ask you for some recommendations then. yeah yeah <laughs> and also uh, talking of personal development books I mean if all you're doing is reading and listening and not even taking any action you know, there's a point where you have to just stop and, yeah. do, and do instead of read all the time yeah well I uh, heard a really good term they called it shelf development right because unless you actually go and put it into um 
practice, then you may as well just leave it on the shelf. You're just getting this knowledge, but you're not actually changing anything. Yeah. And for, and for years, I used to read um, self-help books, but I would always skip past the exercises. I know what you mean. Oh, my God, yes. I'll go, I'll go back to that. <laughs> yeah, um, and if you're not doing it, then it's pointless. Yeah. yeah that's totally spot on. And the ones that you don't want to do are the ones that you really need to do. Oh, exactly. That is a call to action right there. Yeah. Like the moment. Yeah, exactly. And then, so what made you turn to want to support others then? You got, I assume, very excited about this topic and thought, I need to share and and help. Yeah, I think, so I didn't know initially. I knew I wanted to do coaching. I'd gone and got a coach myself. And when I started to started to be open about the way that I felt and started to change the way that I felt about myself, I thought, wow, this is something that I really love to do. Because I went into HR because I really wanted to work with people. Yeah, I really had a passion for helping people. But anyone who's listening to this who's worked in a business um, in HR or in the corporate world will know that's not always possible. Yeah. It, it really is about gatekeeping the business, keeping the business safe, and therefore... You may do things that are against your values and out mm. of alignment with who you are. Yes. Um, so I knew I wanted to get back with to, to, to the core of who I am. So I knew I wanted to do coaching. So when I went into coaching, they talk about finding your niche. And I was like, oh, well, I you know about lifestyle and work-life balance. And mm. I, I did all of these things. And to start with, actually, I, I coached on different things to what I coach now. But I wanted to coach something that I would forever be the student in because I think you have to be able to relate to who you're coaching and you know the work-life balance which was one that I used to do was like I found once I started my own business my work-life balance was more in balance than it had ever been and therefore I was getting away from actually Mm. being able to relate to people yeah Um, and I know that I've suffered with imposter syndrome for the majority of my life now I can see it's like my little friend and I'm like oh you're here again Mm -hmm. let's sort this out but I would always be able to relate to it because it's something that I will all whilst I'm a teacher in it I will always be the student and I think working in business for so many years you know I never told anybody how I felt so I'm really passionate about going back into businesses and helping people realize you're not alone you're Mm -hmm. not the only person who feels like this Yes. actually you don't need to continue to feel like that there is a solution to this um so yeah i was just really passionate that people didn't waste their whole careers mm. feeling like i did <laughs> yeah no you're you're bang on i think yeah. you, you mentioned uh values there i think you know once you work out what your values are you really have to do work that aligns with it otherwise oh. you, you're just dissatisfied absolutely and what that does is when you're working in an environment that is not aligned with your values, it really questions your own self-doubt as well because you start to think, what's wrong with me? Why am I so unhappy and everybody else is happy in this environment and I'm not? Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. just realized that I think when I did the exercise with my coach out of my top 10 values, yes, only three and a half of them were being met. Oh, wow, yeah. Mm-hmm. So there was just such a huge disconnect. And that was like a light bulb moment in my head to say, yes, there are things that I need to work on, but my environment is having a massive impact on the way that I feel every day. Have you done the Strength Finder quiz? 
Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Do, do you know what your top strengths are off the top of your head? No. <laughs> do you know what I um, use disc personality profile in my business because okay. it's it, you know it's D I S or C. I always find with these other things I can never remember what I am. Yes, I know. You're can you remember what yours are? Well, they're actually they're written on the board here. I can see them. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to hear them? Yeah. I don't know if I align with them or not, but we'll uh, fire them at you anyway. Uh, number one, empathy. Yeah. Number two, activator. Yeah. Number three, developer. Yeah. Number four, individualization. And number five, adaptability. They're yeah. mine. <laughs> Yeah, as I say, I can't remember mine. Yeah, well, you don't really know me, so you can't really <laughs> you can't yeah. tell you anything. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's you, yep. <laughs> but it's good. it's a good idea to actually have them up on a board and then kind of have them visible so you can just think about them all the time and see, okay, yeah, that's, that's working for me. This is why my day went well, because that aligns with these five things. Or Yeah, absolutely. So like I said, I use DISC in my business and use it with my clients. And that really helps you understand what your dominant personality style is. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it helps you know what you're motivated by, what your greatest fears are, what your personality is, what type of people, what type of work you should be doing. So, you know, me, I know that I'm very much people orientated. So if I spend way too much time on my own, that Mm -hmm. actually demotivates me. So there's lots of ways um, that I actually know what my personality type is but I think it is really important whichever psychometric you use it I think it is really key to find out what your personality type is I think you can at the end of the day you can work out why you feel like you do or why something's not working because it's not aligned with actually who you are yeah it's yeah so I think it's so important I think a lot of people go through life not even realizing what they're they're good at and yeah it's, it's what Tim Ferriss talks about a lot uh you know focus on what you're really good at be, yeah. and become even better at it and forget about the rest leave that up to someone else it drives me crazy whenever people or me even try to try to do everything media in a mediocre way when you should really be focusing on what you're passionate about nobody's telling you you have to be good at everything it's okay yeah Definitely. And one of the things, Karen, around imposter syndrome is that people can't recognize their talents and their skills. The part of the work that I do if I work with somebody individually or in, you know, groups is I start to help them see where their skills, their talents align, what their personality is. So they can start to build up actually some confidence in this is who I am and what I've got to offer. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to be good at everything. And that's okay. But this is where my skill set and my personality lends me to be successful. Mm-hmm. That's perfect. I love that work. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's only ever going to be one you. So a lot of people say, oh, there's no point in me writing a book on such and such. It's already been done. But nobody has your voice and your no. personality. No. And I think two people can deliver the same message, but there'll be one that you just resonate with the more because you just feel more connected to that person. So yeah. I always say to people, if someone's doing exactly what you do, don't worry. Mm-hmm. Because someone else needs to hear it in the way that you deliver it. Exactly. Your tribe. Build your yeah, tribe. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Love it. Awesome. Yeah. Um, so moving on a little bit, I guess uh, you and I can only speak from a, a woman's perspective, but have you been able to work with any men on the subject? You know, Would, yes. men, would they be less vocal or is this me just having a perception of what they would be like no I think research also shows so I think you've got the indication yes men 
um, it is it is more prevalent in women. That research shows that you know women are more affected by this, and I think that goes back again to culture. Mm-hmm. You know, women are taught to be sweet and and kind, and you know just to be pleasing to everyone and fit in. And boys are taught to be resilient and tough and yeah. go after what they want. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do think it lends itself more to women, but that's not to say men aren't affected by it. I have in my corporate career whilst I never was able to label it as imposter syndrome, I had some very open conversations with males in the workplace, which now, looking back, it was definitely imposter syndrome they were suffering with at the time. Yeah. Um, But I've had clients come to me. So, yes, I don't promote that I work with women, but normally what happens if I work with a man is they come through recommendation. Yes. So they're having a chat with someone and they say, you know, you may want you may want to have a chat with her. So, yeah, it is affected. I just think they don't talk as openly about their feelings as we do. So yeah. as I women, I think we're very much more open to, you know, talking about these things and therefore we can find a solution, whereas men, I think, just hold it in a little bit more. Yeah, they internalise it and then it manifests yeah. as anxiety and, and depression. Like I was yeah, saying, yeah. saying, there was a guy on my Facebook said he had major imposter syndrome in one job to the point of high anxiety and depression. Um, yeah. And I don't think anybody even knew, which is, no. you know. I think, yeah, I think, I think, you know, people are just very good, especially in the workplace of hiding it. I still think now this is why it's one of my passions to get back into businesses mm. and breaking the taboo. You know, there's lots of people suffering with this in the workplace, both male and female, and they don't feel like they can talk to anyone. Mm-hmm. And they don't want to tell anyone in the company because they feel it will be classed as a weakness. And actually, it's not a weakness at all. It doesn't mean they're not competent. Yeah. It just means they need some help around their mindset. Mm-hmm. And I think if you go into businesses, it will encourage conversations and it just takes for one person to talk about it and then there'll be an avalanche perhaps. (laughs) Yeah, I think for me talking about it, it's really helped people to say, you know, now I realise what it is that I've been struggling with. Thank you for speaking up and being courageous. I don't look at it as courageous anymore, but, um, you know, if it does raise the profile and other people can recognise it in themselves, then, yeah, that's... That's all I wish for. Yeah, oh, so good. So if a person has pretty deep-rooted beliefs telling them that they, they aren't good enough, what would be the first steps you would suggest to help them making some changes? Working with a coach, obviously, is a great one, but any tips for basic stuff that they can incorporate maybe into their everyday life? Yeah, definitely. So, so a part of the work that I do, I do a lot of work around unpicking beliefs. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think if you wanted to start yourself I would say just be open to know that your beliefs aren't true yes um you don't need to believe everything that you think Mm -hmm. and just because you thought it before doesn't mean to say you have to think it now yes and I would say a great example of that is father Christmas (laughs) you know when we were all young we were adamant that this guy existed he fit down our chimney traveled all over the world bringing us presents you know and only when we started to see evidence of some type did we start to question whether he actually existed or not. Mm-hmm. I remember. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And mm-hmm. we start to unpick it, but we never at the time when we originally believed questioned it whatsoever. We 100% believe that this guy existed. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say exactly the same with the beliefs about yourself is know that just look at it like Father Christmas Start to be curious and look for evidence that shows 
that actually what you believe in might not be 100% true. And once you start to find those little chinks in the armor, then you can start to say, ah, is this belief serving me anymore? Mm-hmm. What, what, can I, what can I leave behind? What different belief can I choose to believe? What can I work on? Yeah. Um, what is it costing me on a daily basis? Because those beliefs, if they're not serving you, they're costing you something every single day. Yeah. So I would say be a really good detective start to find the evidence to prove that that belief just isn't as true as you believe it to be right now yeah it's about taking i've talked about this before the space between a a thought and a reaction it's like yes it's just a thought there's no emotion behind it just yet just give yourself a moment and then decide how you want to act or behave yeah but But i thought (laughs) yeah it does and our thoughts come from our beliefs Mm -hmm. you know if you believe you're not good enough then that will give you the thought that you're not good enough the Mm -hmm. thought that you're not good enough will give you the feeling that you don't want yeah then that feeling will make you behave in a certain way and you know it's a super loop it just keeps going around and around around so you have to change the way that you view yourself and change that belief that's running at a subconscious level you don't even know the impact it's having so just know that it, it, it it's like the holy grail if you can start to change your beliefs about yourself and what you're capable and and what you have achieved and start to you know like father christmas start to go actually this isn't as true as i believed it to be that's when you start to change the way that you think and feel about yourself without i would even encourage people to journal a bit more and just someday sit down and write what all have i done this year because you know sort of you get to the end of the year and go whoa that's flown in what have i actually done what have i achieved actually that's been pretty great yeah yeah one of the things that i would say for people to do this is a call to action is every day write down at least three things that you've achieved that day Mm -hmm. and then and then say what skills did you use to achieve that so one you're confirming you are successful you are achieving things and then you're actually being able to identify the skills the talents the knowledge the experience you've got that is helping you do those achievements and if you journal that every day then you start to build up this belief that actually yeah i'm I'm doing all right yeah well beliefs come from a habit not if that's your habit absolutely you're well on your way yeah because i don't know about you these these reviews that you do for a year you know sometimes i can't remember what i did yesterday oh my word yeah (laughs) Uh, so to try and remember all the successes you've had in a year is really difficult but if you get into the habit at least doing it either week daily weekly monthly Mm-hmm. Um, but I would definitely say if you're starting from a place of not having much self-belief I would do this as a daily action yeah I mean a lot of people are talking about gratitude journals right now doing that in the morning so yeah why not in the evening add on three achievements as well yeah so yeah it's a perfect way to end your day yeah definitely Awesome. And you've created coaching cards, haven't you, which look awesome, by the way. I look, I oh, think. thank you. <laughs> Could you tell us a little bit about those? Yeah, so very similar to what we've been talking about. Um, yeah. You know, it's all what we create in our minds. And I really struggle with affirmations, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, especially if I don't believe them. So if there's something that I've got to say, you know, that I believe in myself or I'm good enough, When I I didn't believe it, it just didn't sit very well with me. I I didn't find it was helping my mindset. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And I just find questions, you get such a better way of helping someone think differently about themselves. So it's not you telling them to think in a certain way, you give them a pose and a question. So I'm looking at one today, it's on my yeah. little stand that I picked this morning, mm-hmm. and it just says, how can I be brave today? Oh, yeah. It was a question, and all of them were designed to help you actually start to think better about yourself, start to put yourself first, start to care about who you are, and Again, recognizing those talents and skills that you've got and recognizing where you're getting in your own way, you know, mm-hmm. and just being able to pull one of these cards, it's 44 in the deck, you just shuffle them and a card, you'll pull a card for that day. And, you know, you, I always journal about mine because I find once, I don't know about you, mm-hmm. I can ask myself a question and it's very, uh, the first thing will come out. Yeah, yeah. But when I journal about it and I start to write it down, actually, about the fifth or sixth point is where the nectar is. And I'm like, oh, yes, that, yeah. that's that's actually what I needed to get out today. Yeah. It was just so, some, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. So it was just I really got I really created them to help people think more positively about themselves. Yeah. It's, there's something about the written word from somebody yeah. else even. It's just like a little a prompt. So if you want to sit down and write about gratitude or achievements, then that's, oh, this, this is a place to start. And then, yeah. you know, yourself, once you start journaling, it gets crazy sometimes and you just keep writing and writing. And yeah. And I think, yeah. And I think you're absolutely right. When I first started journaling, all I used to write was gratitude. And I was a little bit like, what else do I write about? This feels know. weird. <laughs> you know, this, this isn't something I'm used to doing. I don't know how to do it. Yeah. And I struggled what to focus on in my journal. So that was another thing. Hmm. And, you know, like I say with imposter syndrome, you know, you think everybody else can see something that you can't. These cards are created so you can see what everybody else can see. Yes. I have a, a what's it called? six minute diary. I'm just looking behind me here to see what it's called. And oh, yes. Have you heard of it? Yes. Yeah. So you, you, it tells you, it gives you prompts as well. Um, mm. And it's quite short, which is a good thing because some people are kind of a bit, mm, I really can't sit down for an hour and do this, but literally six yeah. minutes, if even, and it sets you up for the day. And that becomes a habit for me anyway. I love doing that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've tried lots of different ones over the time. I like to just free journal now. Yeah. Yeah. I don't like to be constricted. I do use my own cards and I've got a couple of other coaching deck cards that I use. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm actually in the process of, it's coming to me. I'm I'm creating a journal without knowing about it of all the things that you can do to dissolve awesome. yourself doubt. Yeah. I, I get, get into that habit of doing it. So when I'm going to do it, I don't know. But um, oh, sounds great. There's definitely a journal in me around mm-hmm. this whole subject. <laughs> one of the keys that I've taken away from some of the ones that I've bought, there's no date on them. So you put the yes. date, so you're not having to do it restrictive, restrictively in the morning and evening. Yeah. You just pick it up whenever see, you like. See, Karen, that's my personality. I don't like rules. Yeah. <laughs> so if you give me the freedom to pick it up and yes and do it when I want to and also I think when it's dated and it's blank then that just gives you permission to hit yourself with a stick of oh I didn't do it and oh I can't stick to anything yes whereas when it's blank it's just there's no rule there it's just it's giving you the permission to pick it up when you feel like it yeah lovely lovely stuff yeah so finally Trisha don't want to keep you too long um I ask everyone this question if you could give our listeners one final thought for today one Trisha nugget that they can incorporate into their lives in order to build that better body what would that be today so I would say we talked about writing the achievements at the end of the day and I think that's a great way to end your day but I think if there's one tip it's how you start your day Mm. 
Um, there is a famous saying, all's well that ends well. I think there's a better one that says, all's well that starts well. Nice. Mm-hmm. Um, I just made that up. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. But I think, you know, we are so stimulated now by um, technology that, you know, we can wake up in the morning, we can be rushing to work or whatever we've got to do, yeah. straight onto emails, social media, and we're not taking time to connect to our own mind, body, spirit. Mm-hmm. And I just say, carve out time. And whether it's 10 minutes, whether it's an hour, mm-hmm. find practices that work for you. Mine is I journal every morning. You know, I do my gratitude. I do my card. I set my intentions for the day. It's all written down. Um, I read. Mm-hmm. I might listen to a podcast. I definitely do some movement of some sort. So whether that's on the yoga mat or out in nature with my little dog. Lovely. Um, mm-hmm. So I would say don't let time take away the fact of just dedicating a little bit of time to set yourself up for a good day because I find if I do that I don't know if you're the same Mm -hmm. if I start the day well the rest of the day seems to go well whereas if I start it clunky the rest of the day pans out like that yeah absolutely and it's a simple fix it really is yeah so whatever your practice is just do something for yourself before you open yourself up to the rest of the world lovely and I think if you say that you don't have time for this you're the exact person that should be doing this absolutely (laughs) (laughs) sorry people out there I'm I'm giving you a warning you must take some time for yourself carve that out like Tricia says well (laughs) hashtag truth bomb there yeah hashtag woo yeah love it (laughs) so Tricia where is the best place for people to connect with you on, on the web Cool. So you can find me on my website, which is www.trishabarker.com. Mm-hmm. You can find me on Instagram. I'm at Trisha Barker. Yeah. And then I have a Facebook page, which is Trisha Barker, the imposter syndrome solution. Fabulous. I will put all those in the show notes. Oh, I, do, yes. I do like good show notes. <laughs> <laughs> Bad. Yay. Well, thank you so much, Trisha, for talking to me today. That was awesome. I think we've got some truth bombs, like you say, for people out there. Yeah. Cool. Thank you so much for having me, Karen. It's been lovely being on with you. You're welcome. You today. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much, as always, for listening, guys. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you have any questions, send them along to info at karmaclintock.co.uk. And if you want to support the show, you can head on over to karmaclintock.co.uk forward slash support. And it would be awesome if you could leave me an iTunes review as well. Thank you.